The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. How you doing, EJ? How do you think I'm doing? Oh, uh, man. Pretty improbable, and we've got some good beers. We've got the wrap-up pod this week, and man, what a great week to pull the wrap-up pod. We were kind of not looking forward to this, and, and now we're just, this is just a victory lap. This is so much fun. Yeah, this is crazy. Normally we do our show middle of the week. We get a little bit of time to go back and look at the film. You know, we always get to watch it at least one more time, maybe two more times. You went on Robert's Pod last week as a reaction game, and so you already talked about the Colts game. So I sent you a text earlier in the week, and I said, maybe we should just do a reaction game to Thursday's game, which can go wrong because I'm a pretty emotional Bears fan, and I might sound calm in the middle of the week, but I am nothing like that during a Bears game. And so this could go either way, but a heck of a lot of fun, the game that we just watched. We're going to do the, we're going to do the recap this week. Uh, but first, like every episode, we are going to have a beverage. And so what did you bring on? I am excited. I am dipping into the winter beer menu. It is that time of year. It's starting to get a little bit cool. And one of my favorite breweries is over in Ellensburg, Washington. It is Iron Horse Brewing. And their winter warmer offering is called Cozy Sweater. And it is a beer after your own heart. It is a vanilla milk stout. It is 5% by volume, which I love because it is very sessionable. And just about every offering that Iron Horse makes, I really like. They're just one of those very few breweries that they can kind of do no wrong unless I hate the style in general. I've had this before. Uh, My wife was kind enough to get me a six-pack of it. And uh, their slogan for this is, like, getting a hug from grandma. So (laughs) I'm going to get it started. What do you have? Well, I have now started a tradition that I make a comeback cocktail when the Bears come from behind to grab a victory. And I did a little bit of a troll last time where I brought on a bourbon, peach, uh, iced tea, sweet tea. So tonight I made a Tom Collins. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) You will be able to see uh, my bottle of Tangeray 10. A uh, couple shots of gin there, and I've already made the drink, but uh, for those of you, uh, club soda, lemon juice, maraschino cherries, and a 
a lemon wheel. So I've never actually had one of these. Oh, a little simple syrup. I've never actually had one of these, so this will be this will be interesting. Really? Okay. I'm well, not I'm a huge ex- gin guy. I think I've had this bottle yeah. of gin for quite a long time. Not a bad drink. You know what? Tastes like victory. It tastes like victory. Yes, indeed it does. We are not a big gin household either because my wife is deadly allergic to juniper. So we don't oh. we don't have gin here either. But uh, I, that's actually not a, you know, it's one of those kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I really don't like gin anyways, so it's not a great loss for me. Um, but let's get into this. This is, uh, this is unexpected and a lot of fun. Uh, most of the prognosticators, analysts, whatever had the Bucks pretty much straight down the line winning this game. Uh, fair disclosure, I picked the Bucks to win this game. We're in a uh, on a picking site for WCG, and uh, I picked the Bucks. I'm just picking straight up winners. I picked the Bucks to win this again with their defense. I believe number one in DVOA coming in uh, this week, and their offense starting to click Brady starting to throw darts it just didn't look good after the air ball last week put up by the Bears uh it looked like it might be a lopsided game and get out of hand early and uh didn't turn out that way so let's talk about how that happened and then let's talk about some of the things that really stuck out to us yeah I think that you know we definitely saw a pretty big reaction from the Colts game and I think some of that was deserved and some of it was probably a little bit overreactionary to one game. But I think what you saw was a team that was really outclassed by a, a very complete Colts team. And that I think upset a lot of people. And so coming in just, you know, four days later on a Thursday night game against another team that looks like they're pretty complete in the Bucks, um, you know, you're, you're worried that you're going to have a similar showing. And boy, did it look like it early when the Bucks were able to take a 13 to nothing lead. They really kind of marched down the field a couple times. Bears offense couldn't really do anything. They looked like they might, you know, they got a first down and then they'd punt, you know, they, they, they turned the ball over, right? That Robinson play down the sideline where you kind of need the ball up in the air and, and that and that got picked off. And so, yeah, it's, it, it looked like we were in for another uh, tough slog. And uh, that's probably what you're referring to when you say we, you know, not very excited to record this podcast when you're down 13 to nothing. Like, okay, what are, what are we going to do? Uh, but, but wallow in our, in our pity. But the Bears, and again, this is why I have repeatedly said that I really like Matt Nagy as a head coach, is because this team continues to fight and this team continues to play for him. And the Bears came back right before half. They were able to score a touchdown. Uh, David Montgomery had a three-yard run. Okay, that cut the lead to 14-7, to or 13-7. to You're feeling pretty good about that. And then Kyle Fuller, I think arguably the play of the game, maybe the play of the season so far, has a perfect textbook hit with his sh- leading with his shoulder, dislodges the ball on the field. They called it an incomplete pass. They went back and overturned it to a catch and a fumble that Robert Quinn recovered. Huge turnover, but just a beautiful play by the all-pro Kyle Fuller. We want to talk about that real quick. Yeah, that was a massive blast, and it was perfect. He kept his head out of the way, so there was no incidental helmet contact. Laid his shoulder right into kind of the high tricep, top ribs area, and just folded the receiver coming across the middle. Dislodges the ball. 
comes out. Robert Quinn picks it up cleanly. It's within two minutes, so it's an official booth review. They go back. They say, nope, receiver had it, took three steps, got lambasted, coughed it up, and the clean recovery by the Bears, which is a necessary part of that to make it a reviewable turnover. So the Bears end up with a ball in Tampa Bay territory, uh, not quite two minutes left in the half, and looking like they can you know, pull even or or go up if they play really well. And just a swing early on, suddenly it was like, wait, you sat up in your chair and said, wait, they got a shot at this. Like, there's a chance that they could, you know, be competitive at halftime, if not, you know, take the lead on a game where they really weren't supposed to do that. So massive play by Fuller. Great call by the officials to get it correct, right. to go back and say, mm, nope. He didn't make any contact with the head. It's not a defenseless receiver. Like, there's so many rules to protect offensive players. And Kyle Fuller just sort of threaded the needle right in between all of them and destroyed that guy coming across the middle. Right. And so, you know, my instant thought on that, you know, again, I'm like, okay, I think that's a fumble, but like, we'll see. Okay. Yes, it is. We got, we get the ball back. Again, the Bears get the ball back. And, and my instant thought, and this is just being a Bears fan for, you know, 38 years, is, hey, we'll get a field goal here, and we'll only be down by three at halftime. <laughs> yeah. But no. But yeah. no, EJ, that is not what happened. Because oh. Jimmy Graham, who has been, I think, um, the target of many Nick Foles passes and the target of some criticism on this podcast and others uh, for the contract that he was able to reel in on the offseason, and he catches – a one-handed touchdown pass. And I, I've watched the replay like 10 times. I still don't get it. I still don't know how he does, does this. But he's able to just take his right arm and just snatch that ball out of the air and then spin away and, and, and make it 14 to 13 before the half. Yeah, this is the patented Jimmy Graham move with like an extra half gainer for difficulty. He gets right to the corner of the end zone. Foles throws him up a ball. He's done it. Uh, each of the past three weeks and you know secures the catch and spins away really quick well this time he's off his feet and off balance he's holding off the defender with his left arm so he can only go for it with his right hand catches it sort of at a 30 degree angle in the air lands and spins away unbelievable play and i tweeted out immediately look i've taken my fair share of shots at Jimmy Graham and the contract and what I thought he meant to the Bears and what I thought he would contribute. Look, mea culpa, credit where credit <laughs> is due. That is a tremendous play in a big spot. This is not some throwaway touchdown in garbage time. This, you know, brings the Bears back, even puts them up over, and suddenly it's a ball game. It's pretty much even going in at half because of a tremendous play on both ends. It was a good throw by Foles, trusting his receiver, and it was a great play by Graham. Just, again, like you said, I've watched it a couple of times, probably not 10, but I've watched it a couple of times, and every time you go, there, yeah, he doesn't catch that. Oh, he does catch it. Well, and it's kind of just a bullet right into him, too. It was crazy. So, you know, let's, let's talk about Graham for just another second, because I think the interesting thing is he has piled up touchdowns, and that's kind of exactly the argument that you needed to make to try to justify why you're bringing Jimmy Graham in. He's not going to have 1,200 yards or some like crazy tight end receiver. That's not who he is at this point. He's a threat down in the red zone. And you've got – look at the other side of the field. You've got Mike Evans, who serves 
in that capacity for Brady. Obviously, he's brought along Gronkowski. Maybe Gronk can't really do that, but he certainly was that at one point in his career. You know, the Bears don't really have that big-bodied wide receiver that's taking a lot of steps, uh, snaps. The only guy that would do that is a guy like Javon Wims, who, you know, sees the field sparingly. Robinson, as good as he is, he's not necessarily that kind of guy down in the red zone. So he's really serving in that capacity. And I think that, again, as much as we didn't like the contract because it did seem like Ryan Pace was bidding against himself, Jimmy Graham has put up some numbers through the first five games of the season. Absolutely. This is his this is his role at this point in his career is box out artist in the corner of the end zone for touchdowns. Um, one of your favorites, Robert Mays, uh, tweeted out that Jimmy Graham is like a ghost that only appears in the red zone. Um, <laughs> and yeah. he's right. Between yeah. the 20s, his routes are not great. He he had a little try it out and up and go route that didn't look like much. It was pretty round. Um, you know, he's he's faster than Gronkowski at this point, but that's not saying a lot. And literally, this is jimmy graham's bread and butter and he's really good at it former basketball player goes in usually gives a little bit of a shove to get some separation then boxes out and catches the ball that's thrown to the corner of the end zone this is his gig and he is doing it and it is putting up points for the bears that's i mean this is how he justifies that money in pretty much no other way and we all thought well yeah but he's not that good at that role anymore because in his last two stops he wasn't when he was in seattle and in green bay he really didn't produce that way and you know whatever it is the coming on of nick Foles and him trusting a veteran whatever it is he's making it happen and he looks good doing it and the bears have obviously profited well, and he's already up to four touchdowns on the year, so that's uh, pretty incredible. I'd, I think I probably would have lost an over under already had we uh, had we put that. <laughs> put that I think I'd be close. I would I would I would have put the over under at about five and a half. And okay. if he doesn't if he doesn't pick up two more over the next you know three quarters worth of games that we have left, almost right, I'd be very surprised. Short of an injury. Absolutely. So the Bears come out in the second half, and in the second half, you know, it's it's just kind of a slugfest. It's a back and forth. Uh, the Bucks kick a field goal. They go up by two, 16-14. Chicago comes back. They kick a field goal. They go up by one, 17-16. Bucks take the lead late, 19-17. Bears get the ball back, you know, four minutes, something like that. They can't do anything with it. Uh, Foles kind of takes a bad sack and, you know, just doesn't look good. So they kick it back to Brady, three minutes left or something like that. And you're thinking, ah, God, I've seen Brady do this with the Patriots a hundred times. He's going to get two first downs. They're going to burn all the timeouts and this game's over. But no, the Bears defense is too good for that. They force a stop. They force the Bucks to punt. Bears get the ball around midfield. And they are able to move the ball, I think, you know, uh, somewhat laboriously, but they're <laughs> able to to do that. And one play that we wanted to highlight was that catch by uh, Montgomery along the sideline where Foles just releases it very early and it just kind of teardrops into, into his breadbasket and just like a gorgeous throw, gorgeous play, and a gutsy play at that stage. Yeah, I'm going to put out a call to our buddy will robinson who has gotten back into the diagramming plays on video 
uh, deal, and he put out one this week. If you haven't seen it, go take a look. It's a it's a one play deal. He takes one play and breaks it down, and and I'm just gonna put the early pitch in. Will, this is your play. <laughs> I want to see you go after this play because there's a lot going on in this play. There's there's at least three players, not including the linemen, and obviously they had to hold their blocks to make this happen. But there's there's three skill players involved here, and they all do something very important. So Montgomery runs the route. He gets free. Robinson's job is to pick on this play, and he doesn't. And that's really key. He realizes the defender is in trailing position. And if he makes contact with him right there, largely because he's moving and as many flags as the officials had thrown, they're going to call him for the pick and this play is dead. Absolutely. So huge heads up play by Robinson who sees the guy slightly behind Montgomery's shoulder and goes, and just kind of pulls up in order to make no contact with him. It's almost like the reverse of Fuller's play, right? Fuller made that kind of play on defense, and it turned into a huge hit. Robinson made that kind of play on offense and made sure there was no contact. Um, Just a great heads-up-within-the-rules kind of play. And then Foles gets flushed out of the pocket, kind of to the front left. He knows he's running out of time. He knows the only receiver he's got is Montgomery. But the only shot he's got is what would traditionally be if he was in the pocket, the sort of cover two honey hole out on the corner right near the boundary. And he just sees it, sees Montgomery's going to get there, and loops it. But when he lets the ball go, Montgomery is like 12 yards away Mm -hmm. from the reception point. So he just throws it up there and says, yep, he's going to be there and he's going to get it. And it's literally in the middle of a nest of three Buccaneers. Montgomery if you watch the replay, makes a very sure catch. He yes. clamps Cradles onto that it. thing, clamps onto that thing with hands on both sides like it's a an egg he can't drop and the last food he's going to get for two weeks and makes the catch. And that is the play that moves the Bears uh, easily within range. So the field goal, hopefully, look, look, all field goals in Chicago at this point are nail biters, uh, but moves it into a much higher percentage kick for Cairo Santos. um, And he ends up, you know, a few plays later, putting it through the uprights again. You got to, you got to give it to the guy. He's two for two. Um, I cannot, (laughs) my heart cannot take the curveballs he kicks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there's interesting trajectory. (laughs) Yeah, they're showing him from the behind the kicker view, which is a great camera view. Uh, But man, those things start out like a lot of my drives and then move right, just like a lot of my drives on the golf course, except mine keep moving right. His kind of stabilize and end up going straight. He nails both of them. Obviously, it's the difference in the game. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the controversy of throwing it. You liked the kill shot to try and go down to Robinson on the 50-50 ball on the sideline. Carlton Davis makes a very heads-up play. Um talked about Carlton Davis on bootleg this week being a very solid defender and he showed that tonight he he gave up some catches to Allen Robinson but honestly only 90 yards against Allen Robinson is a pretty good game and he gave as good as he got and on that one dislodges the ball and stops the clock right so you end up giving the ball back with some time yeah so uh the controversy as you call it is that Troy Aikman made a big production about this is that you know, the Bears run the ball twice. They they would be able to milk the clock down to somewhere in the 32nd, 42nd range and give much less time for Brady to have the ball. 
Now, the, what I said I liked, I didn't necessarily like the play call. I'm f- I mean, that's not my favorite thing that happened there, but I like the mentality. I like the idea of like, you know what? We're going to we're going to try to win this game right here right now. I understand that it's not necessarily the most foot, traditional football thing to do there and I I get that you can totally run the ball twice there and and try to milk clock and get get that last time off timeout off the board. I get all of that. But I like the mentality that Matt Nagy's like, hey, we're good enough to win this game right here. Let's just go do this. And so I, I like what he's doing. Uh, to me, that's a, that's something that says I have a lot of confidence in you offense. And in a way, it's also saying like, hey, if we don't get it, whatever. We got our Bears defense. Like, I think you can spin that in a way that says I trust my offense and I trust my defense. I trust my guys. And so I like the mentality of not of playing to win the game, not playing to hope to not lose. And so yeah. we can talk about play choice, fine, but the, I like the mentality. Yeah, I'm with you there, and and one of the things I liked about this game in a similar vein, although not the same spot, was we saw more of those throws to Robinson through the third quarter. They -hmm. didn't wait until it was desperation time, and then suddenly they're heaving it up to Allen Robinson, and he's making plays all over the field. He made plays consistently throughout the second and third quarter. They continued to throw it to him. Even if it was seven yards on a crossing route, when they needed seven yards, they threw it to him in coverage. Again, they trust him to get those receptions. He's a very good receiver when covered. Uh, making contested catches and they didn't wait right they didn't wait until the fourth quarter and then start heaving it they kept going to him he ended up with 10 catches 90 yards not a tremendous day for him but again without that production throughout those middle portions of the quarters they don't win the game absolutely and then the the so the bears kick that field goal like we said they go up they kick the ball off brady's got a little bit more than a minute he doesn't have any timeouts left and so you're looking like, okay, it's going to come down to Brady trying to get him in field goal range. Uh, fortunately, the Bears' defense stands tall. They gave up one first down, but they are able to um, you know, tackle uh, underneath throw, and the clock's running. I think the, there was a clock-killing play. And then Brady throws a couple of incompletions. Now, I found it humorous. Um, this is not anything to make fun of anybody of advanced age that is starting to get forgetful. But Tom Brady forgot what down it was. He thought that the last play of the game, which was a fourth down throw that he missed, he thought that was third down. He put four fingers up in the air and kept looking around, hoping that they would grant him an extra play. They did not. The Bears only had to defend four plays. Even Tom Brady doesn't get a fifth down. And so... The Bears took over, victory position, one nail down, and the game's over. Unbelievable, like, fun game to watch there at the end. And I I tweeted this out at the two-minute warning. Bears had the ball, two-minute warning. And I said, regardless of what happens, this game has to give you a little bit of confidence that this team can be interesting moving forward. Even if they can't move it, this was, they were at midfield. This, they had not done anything on offense here to, to make me feel like they were going to win this game at that point. It was still at midfield. There was still you know plenty of work to be done. But I just thought this was a competitive game against a good ball club. And coming off of a game where you, you know, you, we just didn't see 
much competition in that game. That, that I know that score was close. It ended up being only eight points, but that was a game that the Colts really dominated, and the Bears could not get anything going offensively. And so to come out against a defense that had a very similar ranking, they're very different defenses, but a very similar ranking in terms of how effective they've been through the first part of the year, and the Bears were able to at least get something going, and then that defense was able to match up against probably a similarly ranked offense and again, keep them to only 19 points. I think you have to feel like there is at least something here in this Bears squad that is interesting and is worth keeping around and cheering for as we move forward. Yeah, I would say that's true. And it really happened for me about uh, early in the second quarter. The first quarter did not look good for the Bears. Uh, They looked out of sync. The rust from last week offensively continued. They obviously didn't put any points up. They didn't even really look threatening. And there was very much a sort of, oh, here we go again feeling after the first quarter. The second quarter, they started to make some moves, even before they pulled even right before the half. Throughout the middle of the second quarter and moving down from Montgomery's touchdown, which I was extremely glad to see him get. He's worked really hard this year. It is the Bears' oddly first rushing touchdown of the season, which amazes me, but I was glad he got it. Um, they powered the ball in. It was a middle run against a defense with, you know, Dom Kansu and Vita Vea at that point was still in the game. Um, two of the best inside linebackers in the game. Like, the Bears sort of made Tampa Bay bleed in the second quarter. And if you can make somebody bleed, look, they're beatable. There's a lot of offensive coordinators in the NFC South right now who are going, huh, look at that. <laughs> look what worked. <laughs> Right. They're getting right. excited about it because Tampa was starting to look really balanced. The defense has been good all year. The offense started off rough and Brady has said, look, no preseason. You need to get to know people. You need to get those sort of working relationships going, those little timing pieces. And last week he goes out, throws five touchdowns. NFC Offensive Player of the Week for the 31st time or some ungodly number. <laughs> well, probably um, the first time with NF- for the NFC. True, but Offensive Player of the, of the Week, um, you know, five touchdowns, you think, oh, no. If the offense is clicking like that and the defense is as good as it is, that's a tough out. Well, yeah, the Bears, like you said, under Matt Nagy, didn't sort of back down after that rusty first quarter and go, oh, this is going to turn out the same way. The defense is going to grind all day. The offense isn't going to put up enough points and we're going to lose. No, they go out and slap Tampa Bay in the face and say, no, we're going to get a rushing touchdown right up the middle after a very good looking little drive. And, you know, then they get the turnover and they get the sort of miraculous touchdown. And suddenly you got to think that the Bucks were a little bit stunned walking into the locker room thinking, we thought we were going to roll in here, right. stomp all over the Bears, and we got a game. Yeah, absolutely. That was interesting. So here's what I want to do. I want to pause real quick for a little bit of a break. We'll let someone buy our beers tonight. And then we'll come back and we'll hand out some game balls. All right, EJ, we're back. So, game balls. Number one, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack was an absolute terror tonight. It was just a matter of time until he had a multi-sack game. That was tonight. Should have been three. 
but he gets credited with two. The third one was a very Brady call to give a, uh, a roughing the passer because, I don't know, he completed a tackle on a sack. I, I just, I don't really get this. He wasn't slamming him. He didn't put him in any sort of awkward position, but uh, Brady gets the call because he's Tom Brady and, and Khalil Mack, even though he is a star of the league, got, got penalized there. That was a rough one. Thankfully, there was also a holding call um, against the Bucks on that play, or that that would have given the Bucks a first down on what was like, I don't know, second and 30 or something like that. And so luckily that uh, it just had to redo the play. But Khalil Mack was amazing, and he this game has been coming. And, and what I... What I really like is that all week, all I heard was how good the Bucks' tackles were, mm. and including rookie Tristan Wirfs, who's obviously uh, looks like he's got a bright future ahead of him. Now, on one of Max's sacks, he was able to blow by Wirfs, take Brady down, and then Wirfs continues blocking him, even though the play has been whistled dead. It's a sack, and Mac takes exception to this, and he does a hip toss. And just throws down what is probably a 350-pound, flips over what is a 350-pound, very strong offensive tackle. And I thought, oh, <laughs> that is that is fun. And I asked our guy, Will, uh, Whiskey Ranger, to make me a gif of that because I want to see that frequently. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is going to be Jeff's happy place for the rest of the year. But now, Khalil Mack is freakishly strong. We see it every week. He forklifts offensive tackles with one arm routinely. Guys who are in no way interested in being moved, and he moves them really sort of at will. So we knew this game was coming. I thought it was. I tweeted it out actually that I thought it was hilariously interesting that on the first play of the game. The Bucks stack of formation heavy right. They literally put four to five guys in front of Khalil Mack on the first play for him to try and sort through. And I think that was a very Bruce Arians move to say, look, we know how you're doing. This is what it's going to look for you all night. We're not going to give you any free passes. Well, they single up or, you know, one and a half him for the next two downs. And he got pressure on both downs. He got his hand up. He also had an incredibly, this is one of the things I love about Khalil Mack, is he is not a one-dimensional player. He is not just a speed rusher. He is not just a power guy. He's a guy that we saw playing the run out on the edge uh, tonight with ferocity. And he had one batted pass that was exceptionally athletic. He is stacked up on a block on his right-hand side, gets his left arm straight up, realizes that's not going to be enough, basically arches his back so he can get his left hand over to bat this ball while he's engaged with the offensive lineman that Brady tried to throw. Just a tremendous athletic feat. Equal, I think, to Graham's touchdown, but it's going to get a lot less press because it's not worth six points. But Khalil Mack is so much fun to watch if you know what you're looking for and definitely had a very large impact on this game. Yeah, absolutely. What about your first game ball? Oh, can I give half a game ball? Can I give a Jekyll and Hyde game ball? Because Jalen Johnson had a bunch of really good plays tonight and continues to look uh, like one of the best rookie corners, if not the best rookie corner coming out of this class so far. However, right after I said, boy, does he look good, 
He steps in the bucket, turns the wrong way, comes across the middle, tries to hit a guy with his shoulder instead of wrapping up and allows a very long gain. So still has things to learn, but he's learning at a rapid rate. And he came back in the game later on and had some very good plays and coverage. So I'll give Jalen Johnson sort of a developing half game ball, like those those half white painted game balls. I'll give him the white part so he can put it up on his shelf but if you look behind it it's going to be empty because it wasn't the full performance but man did he show out um fuller obviously deserves a lot of credit for not only the game-changing hit but playing tough throughout and really i want your opinion on this because i noticed it and i tweeted it out it the game got really chippy at one point yeah like both teams right ended up with a, a second penalty on ryan jensen a couple plays after that mac roughing the passer where he rolled tom over i don't really think he threw him to the ground tom got up and shouted at him which i thought was uh, very tom i guess like you said mac wasn't trying to drill him two plays later ryan jensen the center comes up and headbutts one of the bears defenders he gets called for a 15 yard uh then right after that um robinson goes down uh on a pass reception with carlton davis on top of him carlton davis basically quote unquote gives him the business on the way down robinson gets up they go face to face the game was really really chippy and the bears didn't back down and in fact i think they actually started to sort of elevate their game like they started to chirp eddie jackson was in people's faces for pretty much both of those you know two series and all of a sudden the Bears started talking some trash, and it seemed like, to me, they got into it. They got into the game, and they started elevating their play. Yeah, I mean, this is a classic don't poke the bear, and not to be a little too on the nose here, but that's exactly what this is. This is a this is a defense that has all the talent in the world. Why are you getting chippy? Why That's not a fight that you want to, <laughs> to pick. And and it and I think that that absolutely happens, and I have to say that it, it does seem like when the offense started to show signs of life, the defense responded as well, and so there is kind of that left hand right hand kind of thing where, you know, it can get lonely out there if you're trying to carry an entire game, and when the offense starts to show something, you're like, hey, wait a minute, we actually got a shot here. Um, that does kind of increase your energy level, but yeah, I noticed the same thing. And I, and again, I just I think that's that's a bad idea. That's like the it's not quite the level of like saying you know hey under your breath to Michael Jordan, and then he just says like that's all the motivation I needed, you know. But that's it's kind of like that. Like th- these guys are incredibly talented. Don't wake them up if you, if you you know just try to sneak in and get out of there with a win. But uh, yeah, the, they came alive. That was an impressive second hat well really anything past the first 13 points um they really locked down they looked really good i they played the middle run much better than i expected i was extremely worried about that because obviously the tampa bay offensive line is really talented um rojo started to come on as a running back um we got to see Keyshawn vaughn get into the act last week with his first touchdown rookie who i was fairly high on as a middle round running back and i thought oh boy this is going to be that test, right? Eddie Goldman obviously out. John Jenkins out. Bilal Nichols been playing better at the nose, but we've had concerns about Danny Trevathan. He's been playing the run okay. He's been getting exposed against the path. Danny had a tremendous game. Nine tackles, played the run 
I would say quite strong. Again, got pulled on passing downs, but was a big part of stuffing that middle run and not allowing, for the most part, the Bucks to get on a roll where they could just establish what they wanted to between the tackles and really roll on what is a safe play, a handoff. Yeah, Roquan struggled a little bit. He had some some tackles that were dead to rights, and he he missed those, and and those ended up leading to bigger gains. And that I'm mean, not just bigger gains, but like taking negative plays, TFLs off the board, and and get it, giving up pretty big runs. And I mean the numbers aren't great. I mean that defense is probably they don't care. They like the final result, and 19 points is really the only number that really matters. But they did allow over 100 yards uh, to Rojo there. But again, overall, you got to like the effort. You know, looking at the numbers overall, the only thing that really sticks out to you is that Nick Foles was pretty efficient. He ends up with 30 of 42, which is a lot of pass attempts. That's probably more than you want out of a out of a Nick Foles in a typical game. And given that he started off the game pretty cold, I would say that that's a good recovery. 243 yards isn't anything to write home about. But again, that's a pretty good effective game from him. But when you look at the receivers and how well distributed those catches and yardage is, it's pretty impressive. Obviously, Robinson is the standout there. He has 10 catches for 90 yards. But you know, Patterson had three catches. Graham had three catches. Uh, Montgomery had seven catches, which some of that's checkdowns, but some of that was nice catches. Uh, uh, Miller had f- ended up with four catches, and, and so like again, he distributed the ball pretty well, pretty regularly to a lot of different guys, and and I think that's a pretty good sign that he is settling into this offense. Yeah, he knows how to run it for sure. And if you look on the other side, it's funny. Um, you're talking about Tom Brady came out again last week had five touchdowns this week 25 for 41 so uh, you know almost as many throws as Foles less efficiency and 253 only 10 more yards the one touchdown no interceptions so a fairly efficient performance but if you're comparing it to what Brady ripped off last week that's a very solid performance by the defense they definitely hassled him They even talked about it in the pregame that, look, the way you get to Brady, especially given the fact that he's 40-plus, is to put him on the ground. It gets in his head, especially middle pressure. And if you continue to put Tom Brady on the ground, Terry Bradshaw, the other TB, said you can make him look very human, right? You You can sort of take the king off the pedestal by rubbing him in the grass a little bit. And the Bears did. And we saw him very agitated on the sidelines. He was screaming at his offensive line. Now, look, Tom Brady, very, very competitive guy. Um, That's no secret to anybody. Um, I heard he left the field afterwards without shaking hands, which I thought was a little, was a little, eh. And, And look, that may just be the sting from losing to Nick Foles again. But if you look at, you know, what the Bears defense did, because everybody's talking about, look, the, the Tampa Bay defense is great. The Indianapolis defense we played last week is great. Like, the Bears defense is pretty great. They held a guy that ripped off five touchdowns with a very talented offense and was on a roll, has a good offensive line. They put him on the ground a bunch, and they held him to, you know, 250 yards and one score, which, you know, is a very average game in today's NFL. And Tom Brady is not what I would consider an average quarterback. So good on the Bears defense as an overall unit. 
Yeah, it's a good point. I think that that sort of thing gets overplayed a little bit in the media sometimes. We're like, oh, that's that's bulletin board material. But I'll tell you, if you're a good unit like the Bears' defenses, and all week you hear about how good the other team's defense is, that does not make you happy. And so I can imagine that that was a little extra motivation there. And, and there's motivation everywhere here. I mean, Bears <laughs> haven't, met, haven't beat Tom Brady. You know, they don't obviously they don't play him very often when he was with uh, New England. But, you know, they've just never been successful against Tom Brady. But, you know, you've got Bruce Arians who got passed over. Uh, you know, for the Chicago job, he was looked like he was the front runner, and they ended up hiring Mark Tressman. So he kind of he took shots at the Bears in his book, you know. And I, I can't I can't imagine that he uh, doesn't want to just rub it in every time that he faces the Bears. And so you know, there's stuff like that that happens all over the field all the time. And you know, this is a team that. The Buccaneers, you know, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be competitive in that NFC South. They are going to be competitive for a playoff berth. And so this is this is not a nothing win. This is a good win. This is not, oh, they came back and they beat the Lions, LOL Lions, all that stuff. No, this is a legitimate win. And so the Bears moved to 4-1. and one. Fantastic. I think if I said at the beginning of the year, EJ, after five weeks, the Bears are going to be 4-1, and one, You'll take it. I, I take it. I take it. You know, like you're not going to like stop me and be like, well, how did they win those games? Well, how does this look? What is this like? No, no, no. You take that record. That is a great record. And the next game is against the Carolina Panthers, who are not a pushover. They're not the team that we maybe were hoping when we saw them on the schedule to be kind of a, an easy win. But the Bears now have 10 days to prepare for the Carolina Panthers in Carolina for a chance. That's a very winnable game. For a chance to be five and one after six weeks, what are your thoughts? I, I know we haven't watched Carolina games to prep for this or anything, but what are your thoughts on the next game? Yeah, I have watched the Carolina Panthers. I have an interest in them mostly because I like Teddy Bridgewater. There was a possibility he was going to be the Bears quarterback. I was strongly behind that possibility. I thought he fit very well with what Matt Nagy was trying to do. So he ends up in Carolina along with Matt Rule as a first-time head coach. There's a lot of pieces in Carolina, and Brett and I were talking about this on Bootleg this week, that we both thought it was going to take a little bit longer for that team to gel. And this last week, boy, they came out and put together a really good-looking game that we both sat up and said, "Woo, they gelled a little bit faster than we thought. They have a ton of talent on the defensive line, uh, maybe even more from a rushing standpoint uh, than the Bucks do. Jeremy Chin is playing very, very well as a rookie all over the field for them. They've got him kind of as a roving dimebacker slash safety, and he has been one of their best defenders through the first four weeks. And Bridgewater is one of those guys that is a little bit like Foles. He's not going to throw, you know, 75-yard bombs like Justin Herbert, but he is going to move the chains. He's going to be efficient. He had a scramble for 20-something yards for a for a touchdown. Um He's just going to do what the defense gives him and be efficient about it. And Matt Rule's got that team clicking. They are one of those middle-of-the-pack NFL teams, of which there are a lot. I would say about two-thirds of the NFL teams are in that middle-of-the-pack, and you start to sort of sort them out. And Carolina's starting to look like one of those middle-of-the-pack teams that's a little bit better 
than those middle of the pack teams that don't really seem to have it together. Does that mean they're going to win, you know, rip off five straight games? I don't think so. Are they going to challenge for a playoff spot? Look, they've got a tough road in the NFC South. I'm not saying that, but they're not going to be an easy out, especially with the pass rush they're developing and the fact that their offense is going to take whatever your defense gives them. So it's going to be a tough matchup, but I think, like you said, it's a winnable game. I don't think it's as easy as we thought it might be at the beginning of the year, but it's definitely a winnable game. And the Bears do get extra days to prepare, so that's good on the injury front. It's certainly good on the game planning front. And they roll into it with what I'm going to call an unexpected positive, which is the win over Tampa Bay, right? They're feeling it. They believe in Nick Foles now. The defense held against a very good offense. That's a positive energy to go through that 10 days with and say, hey, we beat somebody that, quote unquote, we weren't supposed to. We can take it to them. Yeah, and if you are looking at this from just like a cold analytical perspective, if you want to, if, if you have to lose a game, losing a non-conference game is always the way to go, right? And so, yeah, they lost to the Colts. You know what? If we see the Colts again this year, that means things went very well for both the Bears and the Colts, okay? So don't worry about that. But this is a good result, and I've always thought that if, like, Thursday games are weird, and you're coming on short rest, and you're not fully game planning, and so really it comes, to me, a lot of times the advantage in these Thursday games are... You know, who's healthier that obviously has some impact there. But a lot of times it's just like, who's the who's the more experienced team? Because you could just roll out old game plans. And so for the Bears, who clearly uh, are not the more experienced team in terms of with Nick Foles as quarterback, um, but Tom Brady has only been quarterback with Bruce Arians uh, for a few games. And so it was kind of an even matchup here. And so that was kind of taken off the board. But what I love about Thursday games, I hate Thursday games in general, but what I love about Thursday games is <laughs> if you can win them, you have this like mini bye week where you get those extra days to prepare for the next opponent. And so the Bears get to rest up. They get to take a little extra time. They get to go back and see what worked. And so you hope that they're going to be a little extra prepared to take on the Panthers. So we'll come back next week and we'll talk a little bit more about, I don't know, we'll have to come up with something. We're not going to just talk about the Panthers game. Maybe we'll take a take a bit of a, a deep dive into what the remaining schedule looks like or take a, a look into a few players or something like that. But that's uh, I think that's all we need to talk about with the Buccaneers game. Very fun victory for the Bears. Very excited that they are 4-1. We'll circle back to the drinks. Uh, a Tom Collins, uh, not bad. I mean, there's a reason why it's a very classic drink. I'm not a big gin drinker, but uh, I love you know, that. it's you know, it's, you it's know, this bad. drink barkeep. That's I mean, not I'm, bad. Yeah, I'm two thirds of the way through her, so it's it's a it's a good drink. You're doing all right with that thing. Yeah, the cozy sweater is fantastic. Um, dark for sure, uh, has a little bit of a bite to it. You might think, oh, vanilla and milk, that's really going to sort of even out any of the sort of quote-unquote real beer aftertaste, and I'm just going to get that smooth, sweet, kind of sticky. Nope, nope, there's Iron Horse makes sure that the hops are there. A little bit 
the yeasty flavor is there to really, you know, remind you that you're drinking a beer, but those flavors come on in the beginning. It's well balanced. Again, not super high alcohol. So typically winter warmers tend to be up in the six, seven range and you drink a couple of them and you're like, okay, um, you could put down, you know, two or three of these and be all right. So great to sort of crack into the winter beer market. It, you know, the days are getting shorter, the leaves are coming down and, you know, football's on TV. Seems like the right time. So I, you know, very happy with the with the cozy sweater and, and couldn't recommend Iron Horse Brewing highly enough. If you can get any of their offerings where you are, give them a try. Great stuff. Awesome. Well, we are uh, very happy about the results of the drinks and the game, but we are getting close to the end of this day. It is almost midnight here in Central Time Zone. So why don't you get us out of here so I can find a bed here in the near future? Yeah, absolutely. I don't want you to pass out on the podcast again. I mean, that one time, it was just the one time and we edited it out. So Very true. We don't want to do that again. Uh, you can find our work on Windy City Gridiron, as always. We've got a full lineup of podcasts there. We've got a new one, The Rule of Three. Check that out. Um, all the other podcasts available on all the podcast outlets. Uh, JB has some betting work that goes up from time to time. You can follow him on Twitter at GridironBorn. You can follow me on Twitter at the Draftsman FB or on my other podcast with Brett Coleman, Bootleg Football Podcast. That's on YouTube or any of the major podcast outlets. And just revel in this. You got a long week until the next game. You got a victory you thought you might not have. And the Bears are riding high. Tremendous record early in the season. Just enjoy it and bear down.